All right. You guys can go ahead and make your way to your seats. There you go. Hey, good evening, and it's good to see you all. Uh, so you guys who are back from school and are back to school from summer vacation, welcome back. We, we kept it warm for you. Um, Hey, if this is your first time here, my name is Ricardo Stewart, and I'm one of the pastors. I usually do a bulk of the teaching. However, today you guys are in for a treat, and so I won't be teaching today. We'll talk about a little bit of that more later. I got one announcement for us. So say I want you guys to have your eyes and your ears, and that is next week we start our new service times. And so our morning service times, we will have 9.30 a.m. and then 11 a.m. That's different. We normally start at 9, and we have a 10.45 service, but that is no more. And so 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. So we'll see you guys there in the morning. 5 p.m. will stay the same. Now, here's the questions we've, we've gotten from some people. Um, where is your 5 p.m. service going to be? The same place it's been for the past few years, right here at 5 p.m. The only difference for the evening service people is the 7 p.m., We will start 7 p.m. services again next week, and we will meet at First Congregational Church, which is in Tempe, which is close to ASU. And um, we have flyers in the back. Feel free to grab one of those flyers if you know you're going to invite somebody. Just by a show of hands, how many of you guys will be with us for the 7 p.m. service? Cool. So a handful of you guys. The rest of you, 5 p.m. service. Can't wait to see you guys next week, 7 p.m. We're going to try to figure out what that looks like over there at that church, and we're looking forward to have fun. So next week, for you who are normal 5 p.m. people, like just disregard everything else that I said and just show up tomorrow at your normal time at 5.07. And so we'll see you guys uh, here next week, all right? All right, so here's what we have going on. What we are able to do here every week, or excuse me, every year is we have training day. And uh, not to be confused with the movie, <laughs> Because uh, that'd make me Denzel, and I'm done. Yeah. All right. it's, not, it's not checkers, it's chess, baby. So, <laughs> so what we do in training day is that we do have an opportunity to raise up leaders. And so we have something here. We have interns here. Um, we have surge school, which is theological education and training. And then what we have is a residency. And a residency is for men who have already gone through uh, leadership training. They've led maybe in college ministries or even been on staff at another church that are looking to become lead pastors. So what I do, plan a church or be a pastor at different churches um, to go through their last few years of training. And so um, with that, we've had a few residents kind of come up through the pipe, and we have a whole new wave of residents who get their opportunity to cut their teeth at preaching. It's been incredible already. At 9 o'clock a.m., we heard from Greg Lindsay, who does work with Greek IV on campus. And so if you are in the Greek, um, and essentially if you're a fraternity or sorority person and you uh, want to be a part of that, I would just contact me and I'd get you connected to Greg and Michelle. And then we had Will Vikirovich who leads our high school and junior high ministries, and so if you wanted to get connected with that, we can get you to Will. And then tonight, we get to hear from Jake Slobodnik. But before I bring Jake on stage, Jake has been around Redemption for about as long as I have and just before. Um, I first met Jake here on, on the front of the stage. We used to have prayer at the end of every service, and Jake would always come to me and, and ask for prayer, and then I got a chance to meet with him and get to know him, and he's a very, very, um, if you know Jake, very passionate, um, intense person. He's a former wrestler, and so he always looks like he's ready to wrestle, um, but more than that, he's become not just, just someone who I get a chance to pour into, but like a really, really dear friend to me and my wife and my children, and um, I, I don't have a daughter, but he's the type of guy that if I did have a daughter, I would say, hey, this is the type of guy you should marry. At least I say that now, um, and so... But all in all, I love this dude a lot, and so you guys get a chance to be a part of something to help him in his development, so I thank you all. But would you guys do me a favor and put your hands together for Jake? Hello, everyone. How you guys doing? Good to see you. So, my name's Jake, and I wanted to start off by just 
Honestly, thanking you guys for being here tonight for me. It is a huge blessing. And so we're just going to jump right into talking about God's Word. But to start, if you don't have a Bible, go ahead and raise up your hand. And we're going to have some of the yesters come alongside and pass out some Bibles. All right. So we're going to continue on in our Roman series today. Open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, verse 10. We got one verse today, and that's it. Should be pretty simple. Carl usually preaches for about 30, 40 minutes for about 10 verses, so I should be done in like three minutes. All right. So the verse is just love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. And this is a different love from last week. We started off our kind of mini-series. And last week we talked about agape love. This week we're talking about Philadelphia. Brotherly love. We got a city named after it. And I wanted to tell you just a bit about my family. Because this always, when you hear those words, kind of sparks memories. Some of us good, some of us bad. And when I grew up, I had two younger brothers. And I love these guys. Death. I have really good memories of just affection, kindness, just Surely based off of you belong in the same family. I don't get to see each other, we don't get to see each other as much anymore, and yet when we get together, you got those people who you just pick up right where you left off, and that's me and my brothers. Wrestling, joking around, just like we were 12 years old, still same maturity, and that's just what we do every time we get together. And so I've had some really good chances to see this kind of example of brotherly affection. But I do want to recognize that for some of us, it doesn't bring up just good memories. That we say brother or family, it does bring up some harsher times or some uh, ought-to-be's when you think about that. And yet, I do know what it is like to experience a brotherly affection where it is kind and caring, just based off of the fact that you belong in the same family. And what Paul is saying is when Christians do this, it's very attractive to the rest of the world. One day a friend of mine and I were just chatting. Her name is Allie, and she knows I was a Christian. We were just getting into philosophical talks. And she just looked me in the face. She goes, why do you believe? We talked about a lot of different other things, and she says, why do you believe in God? And so I was like, oh my gosh, I get to talk about Jesus. This is really exciting. And so I go, oh my gosh, I'll tell you why I believe. I, you know, God has got this amazing story. Everything fits inside of it including me, and I loved it, and I was like, oh my gosh, the stars and everything in creation is so beautiful that you just know God has had a hand in creation. And just, you know, her demeanor was like, oh, just not having it. I was like, okay, I'm going to better answer. We've got so many manuscripts and things that prove that the Bible is something that is trustworthy and true. Okay? And so... I thought I had this amazing answer. I was like, what? I thought that I was going to get it with that. And so I just sat silent for a bit and just went, all right, you know what? Look, you know I'm a Christian. I've just interacted with some people in my life who called themselves Christians that showed me kindness, that cared for me, as if I was in their family in a way that I couldn't believe. It showed me grace in my darkest moments, and they encouraged me when I never knew that I needed it in such a way that I went, someone had to have shown them this. Some of those men discipled me, Ricardo being one of them, and, and I knew, okay, so Ali Ricardo like, has been a blessing to my life, and I know that the guy who discipled him had to have shown him this. I know someone showed him. 
And someone would have had to have shown him. I said, you know, if you just keep going down the line, eventually you're going to meet a guy named Jesus who invented a love like this. Her eyes just kind of perked up. She was like, oh, okay. There's just something about relationship that makes us go, I want that. That is something to be desired. And Jesus knew that I would say this. Jesus knew that this kind of love would have an impact on the world. In fact, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 13. In verse 34, Jesus got all his apostles sitting right around him. And Jesus is about to go to the cross. And right before he goes, he goes, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And that's what got me. That is what grabs a lot of the attention of the world, church, is a love and the care that we have for each other. They get to see Romans 12.10, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. And it looks different from the rest of the world's love. And that's why Paul says right here, okay, love each other because you belong to the same family. And show each other that they matter. That's what this verse means. And remember, this is a letter, so we got it in these nice covers now. But back in the day, the Romans were reading this like a big scroll, would have pulled it out, and everyone was gathered around a room, and they're reading from Paul, just kind of hunched over, listening to what might come next for the first time, hearing from the great apostle Paul. What's he going to say? And for the first 11 chapters, he's telling a story of God. He's going, okay, we were enemies, and God saved us by his son Jesus. And he has restored us. And then he gets to this part in chapter 12 where he goes, okay, now here's how you're supposed to live. Here's how you're supposed to respond. Here's what you're supposed to do. And I told you I experienced that love simply from belonging to the same family. Me and my brothers cared for each other. We laughed, enjoyed, encouraged each other. Yet, that's not always been my experience. When I was young, my parents actually got separated, and a couple years later, my mom got remarried. And when she got remarried, her husband brought along three more kids, and so suddenly I had two older stepbrothers and a younger stepsister. And this sudden new family, I knew, all right, they're my family, they're not going anywhere, this is how it is. And yet, there's a lot of coldness for me, and a lot of bitterness, because they were a reminder of what ought to be, what should have been in my life. There shouldn't have been that breakdown in relationship. And yet, that's where we were. And now I knew, like, they're here, they're my family. And yet, there's just a lot of coldness from my end. And yet, my stepbrother John, he's one of those people who, everybody likes him. Because he goes to the extent of making sure everybody feels included. To the point that he makes makes a fool of himself. And so, I still was in this mentality of, feeling it out with the relationship. Like, I don't know if we're going to be cool or not. Like, hey, do I call you bro? No? Okay, cool. And, <laughs> and yet he was so caring to me and my brothers. In fact, for the first summer we lived together, he came into our room in the morning when we were just waking up. 
And I used to wear these Spider-Man pajama pants. Relax, I was 13 years old. And John came into the room with me and my brothers, and he used to play the guitar. And not like good guitar. He's like the kind of person who played the guitar, and he'd be like, no, wait. No, that's not it. It's just... His voice wasn't very good either. But he barged into the room out of nowhere, and he just starts strumming his guitar. I'm like, what is going on? It's the morning. And he goes, Jake, Spider-Man, save me, save me. And he sings this horrible off-key song, and me and my brothers are rolling on the floor laughing. Made a total idiot of himself to make sure that we felt like we're actually included, like we were friends. And that's exactly what Paul's calling us to do in the church. John got it. He knew, look, we don't share the same blood, we don't share the same last name. But because of circumstances, we belong to the same family now. That's exactly what God has done for us. He included us, not by some silly strumming song, but by his son, Jesus. And Paul's saying, okay, remember the first chapters of Romans, and now when I say love each other, love each other like you're not blood brothers, but you're covered by the same blood. And this is exactly what Paul's saying for us to do. Like John, we are called to each other to love and care as if we share the same adoption certificate. And some of us will respond in loving kindness and some of us will still be cold and indifferent. And yet that doesn't change how we are called to love each other. Because Jesus too, before we ever responded to him in love or kindness, decided to give us all the love in the world to the point that he gave his life for us. You've got to remember the first part of Romans. Romans 5, 6. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Paul's saying that we are called to Patience. We're called to grace and forgiveness. We're called to reach out to each other in the church with our time, with our resources, to build relationships, to care for each other as if you belonged in the same family. And never thinking not so much about how that person's going to respond. But remembering that Jesus, while we were still sinners, while we were still enemies, while we were still like the Romans crucifying him and the Jews mocking him, when he was dying on the cross, in that moment, he goes, those are going to be my brothers. And that leads us to a moment of, how could I not love them? How could I not love the people that God has given up so much for? And when the world asks us, when people go, okay, well, why do you love like this? Because if we do this, we will be asked. Why do you love in a way that is different from the rest of this world? Why do you love someone who might not necessarily love all the way back. And how do you suddenly show people you're kind of strangers with a care for their hearts and their well-being? It's not like the rest of the world. And when people like me and people like my friend Allie go, why do you do that? You go, 
Romans 5, 6. Jesus said, you're going to be my brother before we ever responded at all, before we ever loved at all. And when we begin to love each other as family, because we understand we share the same adoption, there's a healthy competition that comes into that. Let me talk about what I mean. Romans 12, 10, the second part. Outdo one another in showing honor. Literally, surpass one another in showing the other person that they matter, that they have worth. Because we don't use the word honor very often. I hear it and I think about like a medieval movie or something like that with knights. And it just literally means you ascribe value and worth to something or someone. He's saying, when you're doing this, do it in such a matter that you're aiming to surpass the person. So I talked a little bit about my two younger brothers. And one thing that you know about me already, Ricardo spoiled it, is that we're wrestlers. I'm a wrestler, my dad's a wrestler, my brothers are wrestlers, and I loved wrestling, especially in the family, because I was the oldest, therefore I was the fastest and the biggest and the strongest, and I could beat up on all the younger ones. And it was a joy getting to wrestle around with them, and I'm like, oh, no, 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 let me show you, you do this move, and get to actually wrestle with them and train them, and as we get a little bit older, they got better, and I rejoiced in every time that they won. I got more nervous about them wrestling than I ever did about me wrestling. And when they lost, I'd be like, hey, that's fine. Get back up. Let's go. We got it. And I would encourage them. And I loved those moments. And then one day, I came back from college, and my brother Derek, who was usually smaller and weaker than I was, and was usually able to manhold, he hit puberty, and suddenly he was this hulking mass of a wrestler. And I was like, I'm big brother. I could still take him. And so we started wrestling. We were just messing around like we usually did. We were joking around and teach him some stuff. And then suddenly he does a quick move. And I'm like, whoa, okay. I do a quick move back to see what he's doing. And he's like, oh. <laughs> and there's this moment where eyes lock. And we're like, oh, it's happening. <laughs> the day has arrived. The younger is aiming to surpass the older. And so in that moment, you know, we really were doing everything that we could to outdo each other. And, and anybody knows that in wrestling, if you're not giving it your all in that moment, that is a dishonor to the person that you are wrestling. There's nothing that I'm doing to help him get better or give him, if I'm not giving him my all. And I would tell you the end of the story and who won that match, but it's not really appropriate to my illustration, so we're going to move on. <laughs> We're called to treat each other as we belong in the same adopted family. And when it comes to how we show that love, when we're giving each other honor, we do it with an intensity, an intensity of a competition. And we got plenty in the Bible that's going to tell us what's this love look like. 1 Corinthians 13. Go ahead and turn there. This is the one that's read at every wedding. It's pretty famous for good reason. And though it's read at weddings, it is talking about the church in this moment. And Paul here says in verse 4, What does love look like? Love is patient. It's kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable. 
is not resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. If you want to go through the Bible to find out how we can love, there are so many things that will show us specifics. We are called to be patient with our brothers and sisters. We're called to care for them. We're called to not insist on our own way. We're called not to envy each other. We're called to outdo each other in honor and that we celebrate when God has victory in their life. And we defer to them. What I mean by that is in Philippians 2, 3, and you don't have to turn there, I'm just going to read it. Paul says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. That's what it means to surpass someone in showing honor. In every action that you do, whether it be your time, your money, your relationship, how you interact with them, we start with the posture of doing everything that we can to show them that they matter to us most. God has called us to treat each other like this because we know, because of Jesus, that is the way the world will be attracted to him and see him. In fact, for some of us, how we interact with each other might be the only interaction someone sees outside of the church of what Jesus looks like. And we do this because this is exactly how Jesus loved us before. If you just keep going in Philippians, it says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. If the first part of the letter of Romans is true, and that part of Philippians is true, that Jesus died for us while we were still enemies, he humbled himself to the point of giving up everything, then we now are to love each other as if we belong to the same adopted family and we understand that God has given up everything for the Christians around us. But this kind of love is pretty hard. This kind of love can just be difficult in the world that we live in. I lead an RC on Tuesday nights, and one of the things I really love about it is I want people to feel comfortable. I want them to feel welcome. And so I clean up the house. I get everything ready. I make it all nice. I do the dishes, and I tell my roommates Monday night before, hey, will you guys help me? And they help out. And then before, if I'm doing it myself, I make sure I make a little speech in my house like, hey, no dishes can be left in the sink. If you, if you eat on something, make sure you put it back in the dishwasher. Because I, I come home from work, and I have like 30 minutes before everyone shows up. And if there's one dish, never have I felt more fury. How dare they? I am leading an RC. People are learning about Jesus in this house. I, I need to have clean dishes. They're not thinking about me. And then six days out of the week, my roommates come to me and they go, Jake, and it looks like you took spaghetti and a steak and blended it and then kind of poured it all over the dishwasher and just left it there. What's up? Can you maybe think you can clean it? I cleaned the last six times that you did it, but I figured maybe you were trying to do some art form, so I don't know if you're, what you're trying to do there. The sad thing is we live in a world that usually says, 
Look out for number one first. And even, I think sometimes when we think about our relationship with God, because so much of what we're doing is really look out for number one, that's hard for us even to mentally think outside of, God didn't just die for me, he died for all the other Christians. Just as much blood covers them as it does cover me. So, let's go ahead and take a moment. You can close your Bibles. And I just want to say this. We're only going to love each other to the magnitude by which we understand our own adoption. We can't even get to this part of the Bible and really do anything unless we understand the first 11 chapters of Romans and what he was saying. That we were sitting around waited for the wrath of God because we denied everything about him and we never wanted a relationship with him. And in that moment, when we were an enemy, Jesus said, those are going to be my brothers. And he went to the cross and he died so that he would buy us an adoption certificate and that we could be called sons of God, the ones that were enemies, that spat in the face of our creator. And when we understand that, and then when we're sitting here in church and we look to left and right, we go, Jesus did that for them too. Oh, you got an adoption certificate? I have one too. Just go ahead and bow your heads with me for a second. We're going to enter into a time of response. And I want you guys just in this moment to Sit silently, and I want you to pray. And just something specific for you guys today to pray. Pray for the person to the left of you and the person to the right of you. I want you all to understand the love that Jesus has offered us. And I want to take a moment where we are practicing brotherly love and outdoing each other and showing that we matter. So sit and pray for the person to the left and to the right of you, that they would understand how much Jesus loves them. And then we're going to take communion. When you come up to the table, please take your time. Take the cracker. Take the juice. And remember that this is exactly what we are reenacting, that Jesus has broken his body and shed his blood for us. And we're going to sing. We're going to celebrate. This is Sunday. We get to spend time together as a family. And we're also going to have prayer teams that are going to be on my left and on my right. And if there's anything that you need prayer for, please come up to the front. And we're going to give of our tithes and our offerings, and we do this as Christians because we know that Jesus has given everything to us. And so we too reenact of giving. Let's go ahead and take this time and just sit silently and pray.